right, well, good to see everybody. Uh, some of you know we had our uh, pastor's retreat the last couple days. Uh, Friday night, the uh, our wives went with us, and um, I wanted to communicate how spiritual we are. We... Uh, we th- went and threw axes. There, there's a place in Overland Park you throw axes. And so we did that Friday night with our wives. And uh, so that that was pretty fun. So anyway, that's, it's a good feeling when you make it stick. So <clears throat> anyway, that's what we did Friday night. But yeah, yesterday we were kind of in all-day meetings. But anyway, I think uh, Brian, he had kind of a devotion to kick the pastors off. I thought I would just share just a little bit about it with you. <clears throat> and uh, it was from King Hezekiah. And, uh, you know, they, they were uh, kind of surrounded even by the Assyrians. So uh, before, before Jeremiah's time, uh, the Assyrians came against Jerusalem and and uh, they did some preparation. They built, uh, Hezekiah built the wall. It was really cool. Uh, when I was in Israel, they they have found sections of the wall of Jerusalem that Hezekiah built. And anyway, uh, it dates, it, you know, it dates to the time that Hezekiah was alive. So they did all this preparation. But in the end, uh, the message was just to trust God. And that was kind of Brian's message. You know, we're faced with uh, COVID. We're faced with many distractions in this life. And uh, I think all the pastors kind of, amen, we all have lots of distractions, as you do. Uh, but the mission's the same. And, and so that was kind of Brian's message is that we, we still have to trust God. We... Um, there's, a, there's a verse in the Bible that says that neither counted we our lives dear and um, so we need to uh, esteem others better than ourselves we need to uh, press forward and so next year we're, we're hoping to do some mission trips uh, Lord willing we'll be able to travel <clears throat> and so anyway uh, we'll have kind of our standard vision conference I hope you can uh, plan to be there we'll, we'll have our Bible conference Randy has already ordered 5,000 Spanish Bibles and 5,000 English Bibles. They're hoping every quarter to produce, uh, I, mean, I think they're wanting to produce 10,000 Bibles a year, uh, even separate from the Bible conference. So it's a pretty aggressive goal, and Randy's health is uh, failing a little. He has good days and bad days. And so uh, we're, we're all frail, but we're pushing toward the mark. And so, uh, anyway, I hope I hope you are too. I know uh, we want to establish people in uh, prayer teams for our missionaries. We uh, we have IGO teams, and uh, that's near and dear to Pat's heart, as it should be all of ours. And we started you, IGO in the women's Friday night. Did uh, we? The emotion study group, and we have four <coughs> right now. We're praying for. Really? For salvation. Right, right. Specifically for salvation. So it's just, you know, in in prayer groups for our missionaries, it kind of keeps our missionaries in the field in front of our minds. And in our IGO teams, we we should keep the lost in front of our minds. And uh, so you'll be hearing more about that. But one thing I want to do as a group, and uh, maybe Jim, you can help me select a day, but... 
Um, one thing I've wanted to do for years is to take our whole group down to the Spurgeon Library. Uh, I think approximately half of Spurgeon's Library is here in Kansas City. Uh, is it Baker? No, not Baker. What's the name of the college? But anyway, I've been there. It's really a, an amazing little tour they give you. So I, I'm hoping next year, a nice day, we can uh, go as a group, have lunch together, visit his museum for a couple hours. There's really a, a wonderful timeline on the wall of his writings and events in the world. It's really, you could really spend some time there, but if we spend a couple hours as a group, I think it'd be... Uh, but the thing I, the more the closer up thing is I'd like for our class to have another uh, uh, holiday, a, a Christmas party, kind of between Thanksgiving and Christmas, so maybe early December. Uh, we, we usually do it like a Saturday evening, I think. So, if you, Jim, if you can help me pick a date. And uh, you guys cooked a bunch of food in times past, but we all want to bring something. So maybe Jim can talk, see a day that you guys are available if you want to yeah, help prepare something again. Now, is that William Jewell that we're thinking of here in Liberty? Isn't that where that's at? Are you talking about the time that you went with a group? Yeah, we went with a group of pastors. Well, that was different. No, that that was Baker in Kansas. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And and they have a Bible museum there, but this is Spurgeon's and Spurgeon College. Is that what you're talking about? It's in Kansas City. Yeah, but it's not William Jewel. Somehow it says Spurgeon College. Yeah, that group gave their collection to this group. Okay, I knew. Okay. I think there's like 3,000 books, so it's some of these things he wrote, but some of it's wow. it's got his desk in there. It's got a little room that wow. is set up kind of like his personal study area. So probably just not in, you know, they're in London or something like that. Well, I think maybe that's where the other half is. Somehow half of it got to the U.S. Tabernacle. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty neat. Yeah, that's very cool. So we want to do that in the springtime, uh, Lord willing. And uh, I've actually budgeted enough money each year for us to go there and 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 pay for the meal or pay for the. I don't know. It's probably cost something to get in there. But uh, anyway, we just. I think because of COVID, I just haven't set a date. But we need to do that. So I wanted to give that a little bit of feedback. <clears throat> So today, Jeremiah 29, we are going to study uh, the chapter 29. And uh, one thing really cool with me this week is uh, I I started through the New Testament again. I read Matthew and Mark, so I started Luke a couple days ago uh, where John the Baptist is born. And uh, the little commentary I read says that really Jeremiah and John the Baptist are both kind of unique in that they kind of get a calling while they're still in the mother's womb. If you remember when Mary visited Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth's baby leaped in her womb. And uh, <clears throat> and uh, in Jeremiah 1, uh, he was called from his mother's womb. So Jeremiah, uh, our hero of the faith, really his whole life is dedicated to serving the Lord and... Uh, you know, would would to God that is how it was with us and and our children. <clears throat> but 
nevertheless, he served the Lord some 40 years as a prophet. He grew up during uh, the time uh, Josiah was king. <clears throat> and so he's prophesying here in uh, Jeremiah 29. <clears throat> and how many of you, by show of hands, how many of you wrote letters to your spouse before you were married? Yeah, of course. All right. So almost half of us. Uh, you know, some of you were, you know, close enough you could see them or call them, but, uh, and this is one thing I'd like to do. Think, think about this. At our holiday party here, I'd like for us to do some kind of little game, but we want we want to know something unique about you that maybe nobody else knows. And uh, so this is kind of an example of us that we won't use them, but we dated for 15 months, uh, but she lived in Florida while we dated. <clears throat> so we, we, we had three dates when she was in my hometown. Uh, her grandparents lived in my hometown, and they died in a car wreck. So she was there for two weeks over the funeral time. And that and we had three dates. And then we didn't see each other till was it the next spring? So it was like several months between times we see each other. To June, I think. Okay. And then she stayed with her sister in my hometown for the summer. And then she had to go back and finish her senior year of high school. So we dated when she was a junior. And so uh, she graduated high school, and then we got married three months later is how that went. So, uh, But anyway, the reason I bring that up is, <clears throat> in fact, uh, Jim, would you? Well, I was going to have you set up the, the maps real quick just to show Babylon. So about how far do you think Babylon is from Israel? Yeah, like time to travel? Or no, just... Miles. Yeah, how many miles? Uh, uh, no, uh, traveled. Traveled. A thousand? Not, not 4,000. How many do you think, Jim? About four months traveled. Four months? How many miles are that? I've heard it's... I've heard 800. You've heard 600. You've heard 1,000. So between 600 and 1,000. Uh, so what we're going to see today is Jeremiah writes a letter to people that are already in captivity. So he's in Israel, he's in Jerusalem, and he's writing to the captives, you know, nearly a thousand miles away. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, let's... Uh, yeah, this will work. Okay, yeah, this will work. <laughs> yeah, so... Arabia is known for the desert, so the green, we kind of got a the topology map that kind of shows the shades of, so anyway, the, the trade route is up around this way, so, you know, directly across would be considerably shorter, but uh, Jim said it took close to four months, so so this, this army of people came clear, and they're besieging Jerusalem right here. And so Jeremiah today, we're going to see he writes a letter, and uh, I'm a little bit confused personally. I think he's writing uh, to people that are there like after the second 
deportation, which the first deportation was who? Who was the main person in the first deportation? Daniel. Daniel. I need candy bars. And who was the famous person in the second group that left Jerusalem? Ezekiel. Ezekiel. So I think he's writing to people that are with Ezekiel, but it could, I think something I read said it's just after the first deportation. But anyway, we are in uh, Jeremiah 29, and who can read for us the first four verses? Anyway, be thinking of something unique about you that maybe nobody else knows so we can have a little game around our holiday party. Twenty-nine, one through four. Yep. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that, Jeconiah the king, and the queen, and the eunuchs, the princes of Judah, and Jerusalem, and the carpenters and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem. By the hand of Elasa, the son of Japhon, and Jemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent unto Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, and to all the captives that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Thank you, Angie. So uh, my first blank here, I just had you put, these are letters sent to the leaders. They're the elders, the priests, the prophets, the kings and queens, princes, eunuchs, carpenters, and smiths. And I I think that's important because oftentimes, especially like in my company, you know, you see coworkers grumbling with each other, and this isn't right, and why did the boss do that? And a lot of times it's better just to go to the leadership. It's just... Uh, you know where it can impact so Jeremiah is doing things just kind of on the up and up he is uh, sending this letter to these the captives that were carried away you saw in verse 1 uh, it says now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem under the residue of the leaders which were carried away uh, captives and so they were, they were carried away, they were uh, captured and taken captive to Babylon. And it mentions the two people that uh, sent the letter. And, you know, that that's instructive too. And we will probably do that today as we take it to the streets. Uh, it's okay to hand out things by yourself, but uh, in the Bible, you see Jesus sent his disciples two by two, didn't he? There's there's some accountability there, and, uh, you know, it, it's just done for uh, properness, and also just the fellowship, and so you can imagine these two guys carrying this letter for several months, these six or eight hundred or thousand miles, and so there's an element of fellowship, and you know they develop maybe a burden for the people they're sending it to. And uh, so, in just a minute, I want us to think about uh, how how you would feel if you're one of the captives, uh, and you know I, most of you know I grew up on a on a farm, and so 
uh, every day I would go out to the mailbox. She wrote me almost every day. So she wrote me, you know, probably three or four letters to my one letter. But I did write her. And uh, it, it's, it's really a good way of getting to know someone writing letters. Because, you know, when you're on a date, it's, you know, you're you're watching a movie, you're eating, you're... You know, but when you're writing, you say things meaningful. There's not a lot of filler, is there? It's not as much fluff. And uh, so just think about uh, Jeremiah's burden for his fellow countrymen. He loves them. He's writing to them. And uh, you can imagine them receiving the letter and feeling that. And uh, part of the reason for the timing of him writing... Uh, do you remember last week? Uh, what was the object lesson I brought in? The it was the yoke. And remember, uh, Hananiah had just prophesied that the captives were going to come back after two years. And so Jeremiah thought, you know, boy, if the captives hear that, uh, they're getting a false message, so he's kind of writing to them with that. Re- that that's part of the reason for the timing of his writing. He don't want them to be misled that they're coming home real quick, mm-hmm. and so that's part of the reason for the timing. And so my teaching point here was just that God wants to communicate with His people. Uh, I meant to say while they are in captivity, and so uh, that, that's good for all of us to know that. Uh, maybe we're if we're in bondage or we feel trapped or bound by even a substance you know God wants to communicate with us too doesn't he so he wants us to uh, feel that he's there and present and loves us so there's just a good lesson there so verses 5 through 7 so here's his message and uh, Pam Anderson would you read that 5 through 7 Build houses and dwell in them, and plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives, and be young sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there, and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whither, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives. And pray to the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof ye shall have peace. All right, thank you. So he's communicating, you know. You're not coming home soon. Go ahead and build houses, have children. You know, he wants them. I think the main thing he wants them to increase and not diminish. And so he he's he's saying, go ahead and. Uh, and we'll, we'll see in just a minute. You're going to be there for 70 years. Now, let me... Uh, when Jim taught his overview of the Bible about Jeremiah, I remember one of the things he said. Uh, I think it was Jeremiah. But uh, let me give you this statistics. I think... And Jimmy, tell me if I'm wrong. I think there were some 40,000 people that got deported. And I think... Maybe there's a lot more than that. Maybe there's more than that. Because only about that many came back. Yeah, there was 40-some thousand came back. There was like a million there by the time the 70 years. Well, the thing he said back then, 
that I thought was kind of astounding is you thought only about 10% of the people from Babylon came back. And your comment was they kind of got comfortable in a foreign land. I thought that was, and I I think that's a good lesson for us. We we might get kind of comfortable down here. Oh boy, I hope the rapture doesn't happen this afternoon. I'm, I'm not quite ready, you know, that type of mentality. We can get too comfortable in a strange land when in reality we're citizens of heaven, aren't we? We, we are seated together with him in heavenly places. So yeah, I guess maybe we don't know how many got deported. Around 45,000 came back, if my memory's right. But a lot of them stayed in the land. So Jeremiah's message was, yeah... Build houses, have children, you know, increase, don't diminish. And he even says, is that what you read there to, uh, in verse 7, it says to seek peace and to pray for it. Yeah, verse 7, and seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it, and in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. And uh, t- turn with me to the Timothy, First Timothy two. I thought this really went with this. Uh, this is in one of our discipleship lessons about prayer. I think this is it. Who's got First Timothy, chapter two, verses one and two? I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Yeah, so it lists these four types of prayer, this intercession and supplication, uh, be made for all men, but especially, you know, kings and all that are in authority, and for the goal of living a quiet and peaceable life, and I, I really felt like that verse ties in well with this verse in Jeremiah, because he's he's saying that you've been carried captive there, but pray for it so that uh, in the peace thereof you shall have peace. Everybody see that? First Timothy. I'm going to write that in my Bible. Actually, thank you, Sarah. <coughs> So anyway, what Jeremiah is telling them is not unlike what the Lord's telling us. Is uh, he wants you know God wants us to, and you, you know this is a wild thing. In in Exodus, when the children of Israel are in cap in about uh, Egyptian bondage, it says that the more the the Egyptians afflicted them, the more they grew. Isn't that a while? I, I just kind of marvel at that. And but it's true in our own lives. When when we are faced with difficulties, it kind of forces us to grow. If if we just have you know all the food and clothes and shelters and all our needs are met, you know we're tempted to just you know watch Netflix series and you know camp out and do nothing. But boy, if we're if we're pressed and and uh, you know. We have things uh, to do that drive us to a godly purpose. We it, it forces us to grow, doesn't it? So I, I really like that uh, thought. And uh, none of us like persecution or suffering. But if if we really knew it was, you know, th- this is for their good. God told them to go to captivity because uh, they'd been 
Otherwise, they're going to be wiped out. So it's for their good that they're there, and he wants them to flourish while they're there. And then verses 8 and 9, who can read those for us? Pat, have you got verse 8 and 9? Sure. It says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name, and I have not sent them, saith the Lord. Okay, so uh, when they were taken captive, you know, they, the second group, uh, the first or second group, not only did Daniel and Ezekiel, but they carried the false captive, the false prophets were with them. So now he's writing to warn them about the false prophets that are in Babylon now. And uh, he says that they've dreamed falsely and they're prophesying falsely and uh, Matt or Marcy would you guys turn to the Hebrews 1 and read those first two verses and then uh, everybody else turn to Job if they would Matt and Marcy is going to go to Hebrews 1 verses 1 and 2 and the rest of us go to the Job I want to talk about dreams for just a minute Job 33 and Marcy's going to read Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. God who at sundry times and in diverse manner spake in time past unto the fathers by prophets. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made Okay, now what I want us to see from Marcy's reading is that God now speaks to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's, it's through the Word of God. He, Jesus was the living Word, and uh, the Bible is the written Word. He speaks to us through His Word now. But she, she said, uh, in times past, and at sundry times and diverse manners, God spoke to His people. And... Uh, you know, with, with Moses, you remember God carved the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone. And uh, we also know that like with Jeremiah, the Bible says multiple times here, the Word of God came to Jeremiah. The Word of God came. So God spoke to His people through the prophets. He spoke through the Ten Commandments. And uh, what we're going to see in Job is, you may not know this, but Job lived before Moses. And Moses wrote the first five books of our Bible. So God spoke to people in the times of Job through dreams. And God did communicate through dreams. And, and I want us to sh- uh, show you something here in just a minute. But l- let's look at Job 33, uh, if you can get there. And let's talk about dreams for just a minute. And there's one thing I want you to think about. So Job 33:15, and and I'll read this. I want to comment along the way. He says, "In a dream, in a vision of the night." So that's what a dream is. Uh, a lot of times the Bible talks about having a vision. 
And usually that we would call that a daydream. Maybe we're meditating and we just kind of get a vision or we but this is this is a vision of the night. It's a dream and it even says when deep sleep falleth upon men in slumberings upon the bed it says then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction so God kind of supernaturally allowed men their ears to be open uh, and they they receive instruction and verse 17 says that in other words there's an, an object here that he that means God may withdraw man from his purpose so man's own purpose and hide pride from man because he wants his verse 18 he keepeth back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword and so there's some instruction God wants to hide men's pride from them and so all this is very instructive but so so let let me show you kind of the problem maybe with with dreams and probably all of us have had dreams and uh, with because uh, you, you know like even with some of the Kings, remember uh, Pharaoh had a dream, and Joseph helped interpret it, and Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and Daniel helped him interpret it. So, the, you know, there is uh, those things, but uh, the things about dreams, uh, they're notoriously subjective. In other words, we, we've all had experiences of life. And uh, maybe we feel a certain way about, you know, when we see, I mean, so we've had some of our people in our addiction, there's uh, smells that maybe triggers some things from their previous life. And, uh, but again, that, that's, it, it's, it's kind of subjective. Um, you know, it's kind of up to your interpretation a little bit sometimes. That's what I mean by subjective. Um, one of the things I, when I was in high school, uh, everybody only had white tennis shoes. And it was about that time that they started making other colors of tennis shoes. I remember when black tennis shoes came out, they were just so hideous to me. And when I see people with black tennis shoes, I just thought, I would never wear a black tennis shoe. <laughs> well, guess what? I've got two pair of black tennis shoes right now. Amazing. So my feelings, that was subjective. It's just like, that's all I ever knew. You're only supposed to have white tennis shoes. Maybe have a stripe on them or a colored check, but no other color. But, you know, that was subjective. So uh, the, the thing about the Word of God... So this is at sundry times in diverse manners, uh, but the word is objective. And so, you know, it's written to where we all have the same thing, right? And uh, we may think about it a little differently, but... uh, you can compare scripture with scripture, and we, we teach methods of, of uh, you know, rules of Bible study and things like that. That it's it's more uh, 
uh, direct, isn't it? You know, we we can't all look at John three sixteen and think it means something other than God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He He does love the world, and He loves us so much He gave us His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so it has a meaning to it. And uh, we did, didn't dream that. It, it's been written down and preserved for us. And so, uh, anyway, does that kind of make sense or help with dreams? Because, you know, I can, we've all probably heard about afterlife experience or, you know, somebody uh, technically died and they went to heaven. And But some of the things they describe are really, some of it, sometimes it's not biblical. And so you can... You know, you had this dream, you had this vision, and I know it was real to you, but it says something different than the Word of God says. You know, we have to stick with the Word of God. Yeah, That's kind of what we're saying. Exactly right. So, anyway, that's how I uh, think of these things. So we're thankful for that we have the written Word, and we don't have to guess what God says. We, We have what God says. So anyway, these false prophets uh, are dreaming false dreams and they're saying, you know, God told me this in a dream. And Jeremiah said, no, you need to build houses and stay there because it's not going to be, uh, you're not coming back in two years. Everybody's quiet. Does that, does that make sense? Or nobody's mad at me, are they? No, that's a very good analogy. <laughs> Good. We're living the same thing. We're living in Babylon right now. Yeah, you know, it's a very con- be productive and, and go about his business. Don't get too attached. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good now. Yeah. We are tracking with you. Okay. Okay. Good. Same <laughs> thing. All right. Because I know I have weird dreams sometimes. Somebody's chasing me or something, and yeah, you know, there's it's just it's subjective. It was. Had something spicy the night before or something. Yeah. Okay, now this uh, section, verses 10 through 14. This is a section near and dear to Pat, I know. Uh, verse 11 is a very famous verse. Uh, let me get back there, Jeremiah 29. And uh, Pat, would you read verses 10 through 14 for us? And sure. It says, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Amen. And, uh, Pat, you probably don't know this. Uh, most of us know Jan and Desiree Vandekirk, but uh, 
this is like Yon and Desiree's favorite verse is verse 11. Uh, when they sent me a card one time, they, they put that verse on it. And they feel like having coming from Africa, they felt like, you know, maybe they were like the Jews that are returning. And they uh, this was God's thoughts were toward them and uh, to give them this expected end. So I really, I think of them and you when I read this. Yeah, it, it's very powerful. And so, uh, verse ten, you may have a paragraph marker there. It starts uh, kind of a new uh, context, uh, and he says that after seventy years. So, the seventy years in Babylon, uh, God is promising that He will visit them. So, God is writing a letter to them now to comfort and encourage them and give them some instruction. But after 70 years, uh, I put, uh, he will perform his good word. So uh, that's what a a love letter should do. It should give you a good word. So the word word goes in your blank there. God will visit them, perform his good word, and bring them back uh, to land, to the land. That's what I meant. And, and it says in verse 11, uh, for I know, and when, when I see the word, somebody told me this once, and I, I can't shake it, but he, uh, he said usually, not always, the word for means because. And, and I think of that, like even with John 3.16, for God so loved the world. You could almost say, because God so loved the world, can't you? And he says uh, about his good word, For I know, because I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. So they might be there in Babylon thinking, you know, woe is me, this evil has come upon me. You know, you can just kind of be pouting, you know. It was, we missed the promised land. It was the promised land. And we're over here in the enemy, and there there are rulers, and we're their subjects. But he's saying, uh, God, God is thinking of them good thoughts. It's his good word. And we said that in an earlier lesson that the words are the vehicle of thought. So God is communicating his thought through his word and Jeremiah is writing it down and sending it to them. And and hopefully they're hearing God's thoughts toward me are are peaceful. They're not evil. And that's what he wants them to hear. Uh but he he's saying he's not really going to visit them for seventy years. So, you know, it was it was tough going fifteen months being apart from Angie while we're dating. But there was an expected end. You know, at the end of this time, you know, we're going to be together. We're you know we're even writing. We're thinking about getting married and and uh, and all these things. So. And it's funny with us, uh, and she would say the same thing, really almost after the first date, but for sure after the first three dates, we just weren't interested in anybody else. We was almost uh, love at first date there. And uh, anyway, so, but as he's writing them, uh, let's all turn to James 
and and this is a reference to Job and it, uh, James five eleven. Right toward the end of your Bible, right after Hebrews, then James five eleven. And who who wants to read that for us? Behold, we count them happy which endure, yet have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and tender mercy. Yeah, so so sometimes the word end doesn't mean like the completion. We you know, at the end of a movie you might see the words the end. But uh, but this is said you've seen the end of the Lord. It, it, it's not saying you know God dies and that's the end of the Lord. It's saying that uh, his, at the end, uh, the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and tender and of tender mercy. So sometimes ends point to, points to the objective. You know. We're we're here sitting here studying the Bible together at the nine o'clock Bible hour, to the end that we might grow in the Lord, to the end that we might be better disciples. Right? There's an object we're, we're trying to communicate truth and nourish our souls to the end that we might, you know, share that with others. Right? So so when when Jeremiah gets word, or the people in captivity get the word. God's thoughts toward them is to give them an expected end. The expected end, uh, it partly does mean the end of their captivity, but we want you to grow and flourish so that when you come back, you can be good representatives of me, so you can be established in the land. That's to the end that he's writing. Uh, Does that make sense? So sometimes when you see that word end, it doesn't mean like the completion of something. You know, well, his end was that God was merciful and of of plenty of he was pitiful and of plenty of mercy. So, Job's and he and he got double, didn't he? Yeah, it, it, at the end of his captivity. So it, it's kind of both at the end of the captivity, but the point of your captivity is to not be involved in idolatry anymore, to to rid yourselves of uh, these false prophets and come back uh, better for having gone into captivity. So anyway, there's just a couple of things there. Now back in Jeremiah 29, Verse 12, Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and, and I will hearken. So earlier he was saying, you know, you're going to pray to me, I'm, I'm not going to hear you. But now he's saying, uh, I will hear you. And verse 13, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. <clears throat> and uh, Psalm 119 talks a lot about uh, serving the Lord with your whole heart, and you know, it's it's rare that any of us probably do that anything with our whole heart. We're we're you know we we've, we've got so many hats we wear, but uh, when we do put Him first and we seek the kingdom of God first, uh, He does uh, all these things shall be added unto you. And so I think that's an important little phrase in verse 13 to search for him with all our heart 
as they were instructed to do. And, and then in verse 14, God promises, And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. I will turn away your captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into this place whence I have caused you to be, to be carried away captive. <clears throat> so that is that section and my my teaching point there uh, hopefully hopefully all of us walk out of this room uh, with hope but I put Jeremiah's letter gives future hope so he's writing to them in their captivity and uh, he said you know you're going to be there for 70 years go ahead and build houses and marry have children but uh, he's giving them future hope, and so I, I like that. Uh, I don't, does anybody else want to comment on this uh, section? I know this is a, a powerful section, and that was kind of what I gleaned from it, is when they're hearing this, it's going to give them some hope. Uh, the first is this year, 21, I just really had a burden to start understanding for myself how to love God with my whole heart mm. and we you know what does my whole heart mean and we've talked about it several times mm. on Friday nights mm. about what does that mean for me that my whole heart uh, when I'm looking at other things look back to God when I wake up in the morning you know see mm-hmm. God when I, and we made a list of what well, was like a homework thing and they brought it back mm. what does it mean for me in my ho- my whole heart what is that with my music, hmm. you know, my music needs to be loving him yeah. with my whole heart. Hmm. You could just write, you hmm. know, my whole yeah. heart means, uh, and yeah. all the things in your life that hmm. you could change or redirect hmm. to love with your whole heart. Hmm. That, that was really powerful. Yeah. I don't know if you guys could hear on, on Facebook, but Pam is just saying, what would it look like to serve God with my whole heart? And it's if we look at the world or other things, we turn back to the Lord. We think about the Lord as we're listening to music or driving. One thing, when I was first saved, uh, I think all of you know Randy and Julie Foster, but... Uh, I sat in on a corporate Bible study where Julie and another lady kind of helped lead it. And Julie said that one of the things she tried to do early on as a Christian is to tithe of her time to the Lord. So if there's 24 hours in a day, she would try to give 2.4 hours to the Lord. And, And I just thought that was kind of an interesting concept. And that... You know that, because so, so then you got something right, kind of definitive. You know, okay, so we're going to be here at church for about three hours today, so we're good today, right? Yeah. So we've got at least two point four hours today. We're going to be in church. Wow! But you know, what about tomorrow and the next day and the next day? And really, those are just you know, it's kind of like with your money if. At some point, you just like, okay, God, all everything I have is yours, and so that's you know you can think about those things with our money. Do we do we give ten percent of our time? Do we give ten percent of our money? Uh, and on and on. So anyway, good good thoughts. Uh, 
I think that little phrase, whole heart, I looked it up one time, and it don't actually, right here it says with all your heart, but the word, the phrase whole heart appears like 13 times in the Bible. And uh, so I actually uh, looked that up, but uh, it's really a neat little study. When I think of whole heart, I think of like an Olympic athlete. And I, I just think, you know, gosh, this sprinter, he's got to get up and he's got to be thinking about running today. He's going to have to discipline himself to eat right, to sleep right, to wear the right clothes, the right shoes. I mean, his whole heart is developed into being a good runner or maximizing the gifts he's got to that sport. So those are things I think about. And uh, would to God we were like that uh, toward the Lord. Well, let's uh, go a little more quickly. Your the next section, fifteen through nineteen. Uh, your blank there on your handout is the word Ezekiel, and, and this, this is kind of what I like. Uh, Jeremiah is writing to the people in captivity, but uh, Ezekiel he's over here. And he's saying the same thing that Jeremiah is saying. It, it, you kind of get a confirmation of message uh, in the mouth of two or three witnesses. But uh, look with me at Ezekiel 13. And I, I read this this morning. I thought it was really good. Uh, turn over a couple pages to the right. Ezekiel 13. And we'll just read a, a few of these. We won't read all of But Ezekiel 2 sounds a lot like Jeremiah okay I passed it here alright Ezekiel 13 2 it says son of man prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy and say and say thou unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts hear ye the word of the Lord thus saith the Lord God woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing O Israel thy prophets are like the foxes in the deserts ye have gone up into the gaps ye have not gone up into the gaps neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord they have seen vanity and lying divination saying the Lord saith and the Lord hath not sent them and they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word uh, and, and it goes all the way it says all the same thing all the way down to verse uh, 16 uh, in fact, read verse 16. To wit, the prophets of Israel which prophesy concerning Jerusalem and which, ha- which see visions of peace for her, and there is no peace, saith the Lord God. So all that just sounds like what Jeremiah is saying, isn't it? That there's, fall- there's prophes- prophesying peace and there's not going to be for uh, these 70 years anyway. All right, back to Jeremiah 29. So anyway... Uh, these Jeremiah and Ezekiel are around the same time saying the same thing different parts of the world just just like there's churches all around the world saying uh, similar things as you're hearing here at HBF this morning because we're, we're speaking out of the same book it's not a dream that we had <clears throat> it's a word that we have <clears throat> alright so uh, there's some fulfilled predictions upon 
Judah. And my teaching point for this section, I just put, uh, when God summarized this condition, it it brings understandings of, of God's justice. Look at verse 19. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 19. Uh, Leo, would you, would you read that? 29, 19. Let's check your English today. <laughs> Can you do it in English? In English is Spanish. Either one. Okay. In Spanish. Okay, okay. Por cuanto no oyeron mis palabras, dice Jehová, que le envié por mis siervos los profetas, desde temprano y sin cesar, y no habéis escuchado, dice Jehová. Es un Ya. ¿Was that it? Yeah. Igual, no, es 19. Yep, verse 19, yep. And uh, so in English we read. Uh, that God has sent them prophets but they wouldn't hear them right and so that is why they're going to captivity so anyway uh, God is you know that's that's the part even, even when I'm trying to communicate the gospel to someone uh, we do tell people God is love he he is uh, forgiving uh, but we also need to communicate God is just and He is holy and He is pure. And so He, uh, uh, many of us uh, maybe know a judge like in a court of law and uh, we want judges to be fair. And, you know, if, if someone uh, killed your loved one or you had somebody, you know, burn down your house, or you want justice, don't you? You want... You want something fair to be done. And so I guess that's what we see in this verse. You know, it's not a mean old God to send his people into captivity because they have, uh, they do need chastised. They do need uh, punished. And, and uh, so do we at times. So anyway, it's, it's the, uh, the holiness of our Lord. So we need to be holy as he is holy. And so that, that's, that was kind of my point on that one. So let, let's go to verses 20 through 23. <clears throat> and this is a continuation of the letter to those in captivity. And in verse 23, he mentions, uh, Because they have committed villainy in Israel and have committed adultery with their neighbor's wives and have spoken lying words in my name which I have not commanded them even I know and am a witness saith the Lord and so my my comment here is just that the God who sees in secret he, he rewards openly so the, he mentions a couple of false prophets here in verses 20 through 23 and uh, they have committed villainy and I, I don't know exactly what uh, that means but we know the villain is the bad guy and they've committed adultery with their neighbor's wives so they've broken the seventh commandment to not commit adultery and these are prophets that are speaking lying words and they they do these things and uh, God knows it and so that's part of the reason uh, for the punishment of the false witnesses so, so my uh, anyway uh, our Lord sees in secret and he rewards openly whether it's uh, 
good that we've done or bad that we've done. Uh, when we do bad, we just pray, God, you know, cover the cover me. Don't don't let me. Don't let this uh, come out. So anyway, verses twenty four through twenty nine. Now this this is perhaps one of the leaders of the false prophets. Uh, Jeremiah in his letter in verse twenty four says, "Thus shalt thou speak to Shemaiah, the Nehalamite, saying." Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, Because thou hast sent letters in thy name unto the people that are at Jerusalem, and to Zephaniah the son of Mahasiah the priest, and to all the priests, saying, The Lord hath made thee priest in the stead of Jehoiada the priest, that ye should... Uh, ye should be officers in the house of the Lord for every man that is mad and maketh himself a prophet that thou shouldest put him in prison and in the stocks and what, what this is saying is Jeremiah wrote to the, to the people in captivity well one of the false prophets there he writes a letter saying he write it to the priests over here saying you guys should put Jeremiah in the stocks and in prison and so there, there's a little bit of a banner going and uh, Jeremiah is able to uh, get the last word here in, is it uh, 30 and 31 yeah 30 and 31 there is the birthday girl Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sherry. Happy birthday to you. Jim robbed the cradle. She is 29 today. So... Our daughter likes to say she has a birthday month. Her, her, it's the whole month of August. Yeah, that's what but, we say about our daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Festival. So, I hope you have a good one, Sherry. Hopefully, we didn't embarrass you too much. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll see uh, the consequences here in just a minute. But my teaching point here is that uh, words and actions have consequences. And uh, I'll never forget, uh, Marcy, you were there. You, you could be my witness today. Uh, we went, I went to court with someone you know. And uh, I thought I was there to support our friend. And, and I, I don't know if it was you, but I know the sister... And the mom, they're saying, you know, Steve, go up and talk to the judge. <laughs> and uh, so the judge, so you know, this is this is our this is our pastor, and so so I'm standing here, and the judge is closer than Pat and I, and the judge says, you know, preacher, do you think? That even if someone is drunken or under the influence, that they're accountable for their actions. And uh, and I said yes. 
And so luckily that was the right answer because I was so nervous. This was my like my first time ever in court, let alone talking in court. And uh, I found out later, I think the judge had had like a granddaughter killed by a drunk driver. And I don't think it was alcohol related, but anyway... I was just thankful to to sit down when I did, but yeah. a, after I, I mean, the judge agreed with me, but he went on to kind of lecture us all, and he he was pretty harsh, wasn't he? Yeah. Do you remember this yeah. this time? And so, uh, anyway, uh, that's my word for this teaching point: is that words and actions have consequences. So, regardless if you're listening to a false prophet and you're disobeying the Lord. I mean, the, the false prophet is maybe more accountable. Uh, the Bible says that the, the Pharisees and scribes receive a greater damnation because they're not only going astray into hell themselves, they're, they're leading others along the wrong path. But uh, nevertheless, all of us are individually responsible for what we believe in our actions. And so the word consequences goes in your blank. And then uh, this last section here, and we're out of time. Somebody read 30 through 32 for us. Uh, Sarah, we're back to you. Okay. Uh, then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Send to all them of the captivity, saying, Thus saith the Lord concerning Shemaiah the Nehalamite, because that Shemaiah hath prophesied unto you, and I sent him not, and he caused you to trust a lie. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will punish Shemaiah the Neelamite with his seed. He shall not have a man to dwell among his people, neither shall he behold the good that I will do for my people, saith the Lord, because he hath taught rebellion against the Lord. That's what I put in the the blank is this uh, rebellion. So Jeremiah and the Lord get the last word here and this false prophet he is punished he doesn't have a man to dwell among the people uh, because he taught rebellion he caused them to believe a lie and so the word rebellion is your last blank and uh, I'm out of time but thank you for being here Uh, thank you for uh, coming to class today and uh, let's close in prayer and uh, Sherry, I hope you have a happy, have a good birthday, girl. All right, well, we're going to sign off Facebook. So, uh, Lord willing, we'll, we'll get into uh, Jeremiah 30 next week. And then two weeks from now, we'll be in the sanctuary. We're, it'll be uh, the fabulous fifth. So, anyway, let's, let's pray. Uh, Lord, I do... Thank you for this chapter. Thank you for these uh, words, Lord. You uh, you do you've written us this uh, love letter, so to speak, and we can learn from it, and hopefully learn from examples of others who have done good as well as those that have done bad. And Lord, I pray we'll just apply these to our lives. Help us, uh, like Pam was speaking about, how to love and serve you with our whole heart and uh, Father we just pray you'll dismiss us now with your blessing we thank you for uh, Pastor Brian and uh, Randy as they lead this church I pray you'll just 
uh, guide, guard, and protect us and uh, bring us back again safely. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you didn't know it, uh, this is Pastor Appreciation Month. And uh, so if you can give over and above to our pastors, uh, please do that or write them a card or letter. Do something nice for them. Thank you. Thanks for doing that, Jim. Thank you.